And we're back. Yes. Another episode of the Defend and Confirm podcast. I'm Russell. I'm Sean. And we're going to take a little bit of a break from our series on church planting movements. Yeah. And we're going to do something we don't do a lot of. We're going to interact with something mm. happening on social media. Oh, no. We're going to engage with our critics in the comments section. That's right. Well, it's not really our critics in our comments section. That's true. So why don't you set up the context for us? Yeah, we're going to be talking about a post, which was a a post on the American Gospel Facebook page. Yeah, which if you don't follow them, you, sh- you should. They post tons of edifying content. Yeah, and a lot of the quotes that they post, they're pulling directly from the American Gospel films. Yeah. So AG1, AG2, kind of the yeah. shorthand for those. They quote Paul Washer, they quote you, they quote me. Yeah. I, I love how you just casually yeah, threw us in. Paul Washer, Martin Luther, <laughs> you know, whatever. Sean DeMars. Sean DeMars, <laughs> yeah, same, same. Uh, so this particular quote got a lot of pushback. A lot. Every time it gets posted, because it gets posted like once every six months or so. Yeah. Every time it gets posted, a hundred comments, people arguing in the comment section about it. Yeah. So much so that we thought, yeah, we should address it. Well, and the, and the reason is because I think this is a great teachable moment. Yeah. There's, there's utility here. It's not just us responding to criticism because it's criticism, but we can take this and hopefully those who've seen this quote or have mm-hmm. questions about this subject will listen to this podcast and benefit from it. Yeah. So I guess we should actually read the quote. Yeah, let's let's go with that. Without further ado, uh, allow me to quote myself. If a pastor can preach in such a way that a Muslim can sit in that audience and hear the sermon and not be offended, then he is not preaching the gospel of Christ and Christ crucified. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, if, if you have seen the American Gospel documentary, then you understand the context of that quote, which was a Larry King and, and Joel Osteen interview. And it was about whether or not Joel Osteen needed to preach the gospel with its sharp edges every single Sunday. That's for a, a different conversation. But uh, the first thing, thing we want to say is that, just like you do with the Bible, remember, a text that's not interpreted in its proper context is, is, is poorly understood. Mm-hmm. The same thing is true for a quote like this. You have to understand the context context that it's pulled from. But, 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 uh, but I think in this case, even this quote, absent the context of the film, is self-evidently true. Mm. I think it's, it's obviously true if you know your Bible, yeah. if you understand conversion. If I, you understand the Muslim faith. That's right. Yeah. And so we want to defend this sort of abstractly yeah. you know, dr- without the context of the film, which I think is helpful, but not necessary for understanding this quote. Yeah. And we want to do that by kind of reaching into the comments section on Facebook and finding some of the criticisms and some of the objections that uh, readers have had to this quote. Yeah. And just trying to explain why we think that they're misreading it or misunderstanding what's being said here. Yeah. So hit us with the first quote from uh, Baldhead429. <laughs> so so one of the ways that people are, I think, badly reading your quote is they're saying, hey, why is Sean just singling out Muslims? Mm, I so must let, be an Islamophobe. That's right. Let me give you an example. Uh, one user says, the odd thing about this discussion is the singling out of Muslims. How about atheists? And how about other religions? How about sinners in general? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think it's pretty obvious that in this quote, 
well, first of all, the quote in its context is Larry King is addressing addressing Muslims in the audience at Joel Osteen's church, but it should be pretty obvious that Muslim is a placeholder for any kind of unbeliever who might be sitting under the preaching of the gospel. Yes. That could be a nominal Christian, it could be a Jew, it could be an atheist, it could be anybody, right? So um, what, do you, what do you say we just kind of run through the offense of the gospel? We'll just take three of those. We'll take the offense of the gospel to uh, a Muslim, the offense of the gospel to a Jew, and uh, to uh, uh, a nominal Christian. Let's do nominal Christian. Okay, sounds okay. good. Let's start with uh, the Muslim. Um, why would the gospel of Jesus Christ be necessarily offensive uh, to someone of the Islamic faith? Well... Somebody of the Islamic faith is not going to believe that Jesus mm-hmm. is God. Yeah, that's that's kind of at the heart of it. The, there's a constellation of doctrinal differences between us and our Muslim friends, but at the very heart of the the differences between our two religions is what do we think is true of Jesus? And although our Muslim friends say that they want to honor Jesus, and, and they'll say that they honor him more than we honor him because they recognize him in proportion— uh, he is uh, the the highest prophet underneath Muhammad. Uh, we would say that's not good enough. So they would say we're blasphemous because we ascribe deity to Jesus, and we would say you're blasphemous because you do not believe that Jesus is the one true Son of God. And, and I want to pause there. This is actually why your use of the Muslim religion is a is a perfect example for this quote. Yeah, is because we're not talking about atheists. People who are offended about just the mention of the word God. Right. We're talking about people who could mm. potentially sit into a poor preaching of the gospel and yeah. hear words like God, right. hear words like Jesus, hear words sin. like prayer and sin yeah. and heaven and hell. And yeah. they're going to, not understanding the true gospel, they're going to nod yeah. and they're going to say, yep, that's all the same stuff I believe in. Yeah. You're a monotheist. I'm a monotheist. And so as Charles Spurgeon famously said, true Christian discernment is not the ability to tell between what's true and what's false. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to tell between what's true and what's almost true. Yeah. And so that's why Islam is a really good placeholder in this quote. Yeah. This reminds me of uh, when when uh, I was on my way to deployment and um, we got sat down by the chaplain corps in Kuwait right before you go uh, all the way into Iraq. And, and they know there's a lot of Christians in the army and they don't want you over there trying to evangelize everybody, which I was certainly going to do. And they sit you down and they give you this presentation and you got your Jewish chaplain, your Muslim chaplain, and your Christian chaplain. And they they put the slideshow up there and they try to compare texts from, you know, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Quran. And they just run through all these categories like sin, prayer, heaven, God, love. And and, and they say, see, don't you, don't you see, we all really believe the same things. And as I stood up and preached on my the bus carrying the rest of my company on the way out of that briefing, uh, we do not all believe the same things. We may use some of the same language, but the, what we mean by that language is are very different things. And um, and you know what? Our, our Muslim friends would not appreciate us saying that we believe the same things. Our Muslim friends would say, yeah, you're right. We can't sit in one of your sermons if you actually are preaching what you believe to be true. Yeah, and as you pointed out, that's because it's those distinctions mm-hmm. that offend. Well, let's do the next one, which okay. is in the very same vein, uh, a Jewish person sitting in the audience. Mm. Um, a, a pastor friend of ours likes to use the the phrase synagogue sermons, right? In a lot of evangelical churches, you have people who preach the Bible, and they they may do a good job of exegesis. They do a good job of application that flows out of the exegesis, you know? 
Um, but what they end up doing is they end up preaching morals, right? Uh, a moralistic sermon, and and there's no Christ and Christ crucified. You, whether you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the, you should be culminating the preaching of your sermon with Christ and Christ crucified because he's the culm- culmination of all of salvation history. And so uh, the kind of sermons that Joel Osteen preaches, these synagogue sermons, they're the kinds of things that a Jew could sit in and not hear anything about the unique nature of Christ and his offer of salvation, and therefore be utterly unoffended. That's right. Yeah. Very similar to the Muslim, it fundamentally comes down to who do we really believe Jesus is? Yeah. Specifically. Right. What did he do and how ought we respond to that? Yeah, um, I remember uh, there was a prominent evangelical pastor who uh, he liked to bring in rabbis and experts on the Old Testament to, to teach. And uh, I remember uh, an older brother in the Lord, a hero of mine, he, I remember him saying, this is very impactful for me. He said, uh, he said, I'm sure that there's a lot to learn there, but anybody who doesn't understand that Christ is what all of the Old Testament is about is somebody that you should not learn your Old Testament from. Yeah. And then finally, uh, the nominal Christian. Yeah, nominal Christian is uh, just as likely to be offended by the presentation of the gospel. Uh, uh, sorry, one, real quick, what is a nominal Christian? Yeah, nominal Christian, just to, just to help our viewers with our terminology here, would be somebody who's a Christian in name only. Yeah. So someone who is not regenerate, someone mm-hmm. who has not truly been converted by the work of the Holy Spirit. So all, all joking aside, a large percentage of those in churches all across the Bible Belt. Yes. Yeah. yeah. People who are identifying outwardly as Christian, that's their tribe, that's their uh, family, that's how they align themselves. Uh, and yet it, it really is just a cultural phenomenon. Phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. So that would include, we would assume the vast majority of the people at, at Joel Osteen's church. Yes. We would, yeah, we would. So, um, uh, Russell, how could, a, a, uh, how could the gospel be offensive to uh, a nominal Christian? Well, it could be offensive because they're going to hear things about themselves that they don't believe to be true, Mm -hmm. Uh, such as your state as natural man, as the unregenerate man being uh, guilty of sin, guilt of treason against the cosmic king and deserving of his wrath and justice. And nobody who's unregenerate likes to hear that. Nobody does. Now, the reason I say they, they could be offended is because what I've noticed is it's a little harder to offend nominal Christians with a clear presentation of the gospel because mm. they've heard it so many times. Yeah. And they're so persuaded the that, they, calloused, that yeah. they are Christians that it goes in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unless you press on those important details yeah. and apply those to the person listening, yeah. uh, there's a tendency for it to just to like duck off, water off a duck's back. Ducks off of a water? Either one. Something I think, like that. you know what, man? It can be whatever you want it to be. Um, but it, but nevertheless, if you preach the gospel correctly to your hearers, those nominal Christians will find themselves offended just like a Muslim, just like uh, the Orthodox Jew, yeah. just like a Hindu. I think a, lot of non, uh, I think a lot of nominal Christians are not that offended by the gospel because very few of them have heard the full counsel of God preached full-throatedly, wholeheartedly. They think they have, and, yes. and people may say words like wrath and hell, but just bring in a pastor who's going to preach the whole counsel of God yep. and let's say preach expositionally through a book of the Bible and do every doctrine justice, you, you'll find out real quick who's who. Yeah, you that's know. right. Okay, now, uh, the point of all that was to say that I was not trying to single out uh, Muslims, right? The point was to say that the gospel offends everyone and any, anyone who is non-regenerate. So we've been talking a lot about offense. Mm -hmm. 
we say that the gospel offends all these different types of unregenerate people. And I go so so far as to say a gospel devoid of offense is no gospel at all. So, yes, and that's important because you're saying that the offensiveness of it is in many ways a measure of whether or not it's been presented mm -hmm. fully and clearly. Yeah. And so we have people who read this quote on Facebook and say, no, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. Yeah. Uh, one person says the gospel is not designed to offend, but to sanctify us and turn our hearts to Jesus. That sounds pious. And then we've got another user. I totally disagree with statement. <laughs> I think they mean your statement. Ah. The goal of a Christian is to lead others to Jesus, not to condemn them. Mm. And then finally, the gospel needs to be more convicting than offensive. It needs to call people to repentance, not intentionally drive them away. There's a lot going on in those three quotes. Yeah, one of the things I, I think we need to point out first is that each of these statements, and these are just a sampling of the types of, of statements that yeah. we're getting, each of them is basically reading your quote to say, you should intentionally try and offend people with your gospel presentation. You, I should not. That they're they're reading you to be saying oh, okay. that the point of the gospel yeah. is to offend people. And if you're out there sharing the gospel, you should be aiming to offend. Yikes. That's what they're reading you to be saying. Yeah. Is that what you were saying? That's not what I was saying. And, and actually, let me switch up the order of my notes here. <laughs> um, I want to be clear that the gospel is offensive enough as it is, and Scripture uh, expressly forbids us from making the gospel unnecessarily offensive. So could I just run through some of those scriptures? Yeah, go for it. All right. Romans 12, 18. This is the Apostle Paul. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay. Now, but that may just be like how you order your life. You know, like don't let your dog crap on your neighbor's lawn, right? That kind of a thing. Put your shopping cart back where yeah. it goes. Yeah. Like be a decent human being. So let's get, let's get more specific. Second Timothy 2, 24 and 25. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, are you hearing me, evangelical Twitter? Are you out there? This is in your Bible, 2 Timothy 2.24. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. This is a binding command. I don't see a lot of this in evangelicalism. Okay. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And by the way, we're going to see in a second as we read the rest of this verse that your opponents are not just uh, people in your church, okay? So you're supposed to be kind. You're not supposed to be quarrelsome. You're supposed to correct your opponents with gentleness. And then this is, this, this is what he says next. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Russell, does that sound like Christians being captured by the devil yeah, to do his will? He is very clearly talking about non-Christians. Yeah. So this is a, a command to interact in a particular way with yeah. the non-Christian world. Yeah. And it's marked by gentleness, yeah. kindness, patience, yeah. endurance. None of that does away with the necessity of being bold for the gospel, of having a, 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 a spinal cord made of steel for the sake of the gospel, you know? So, so what you're saying here is the Bible tells us, don't be unnecessarily offensive. The Lord has given us a message that we are charged to share with the world. Yeah. And that message is, by its very nature, going to offend the unregenerate heart. Yeah. And yet we are told that in order to be faithful in the way that we share that message, we need to do so in a particularly non-offensive way. Yeah. And it seems like us not communicating in gentleness and with kindness uh, may affect 
them coming to a knowledge of the truth and them escaping the snare of the devil. Right. Okay. So even though salvation is from from start to finish a work of the Lord, yeah, he uses us as his means for accomplishing the conversion of his people on earth. Yeah. And he tells us, uh, you need to do so gently and you need to do so kindly and patiently. Yeah. Not and, just out there trying to offend people left and right. That's right. Yeah, good. And then and then this next one, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 32 through 33. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. So that kind of covers it all, right? Just as I try to please everyone and everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. So we have the Apostle Paul saying, listen, I live my life in such a way as to not offend anyone so that they can be saved. I don't want an offense for me to get in the way of their salvation. This is the same guy who said, you know, I wish they would just emasculate themselves, right? So I'm feeling a tension here, Russell. Can you help us kind of unravel that tension? Yeah, so there's, this is real simple. The offense of the gospel should come from the gospel, not from you. Yeah, that's right. And so you should expect the unregenerate to be offended by the gospel but you should not use that as an excuse anytime someone's offended for your own poor behavior. To be a big old jerk face. Yeah, so there's a re- this, is, this is an important part of uh, Christian evangelism is just having a, a sense of introspection yeah. where I can just evaluate my interactions and honestly before the Lord say, did I handle that well? Because right. that person was irritated. Right. That person was offended. Right. Was it because I kind of came off pretty harshly in the way I spoke about their sin? Yeah. Or was it because I seemed... Uh, impatient with them, right? Or is it because the cross and Christ crucified exposes their sins and causes them to reject that message because they're still hard of heart? Amen, brother. And let's remember one more thing here. Uh, this is really practical. The perfect is the enemy of good, mm-hmm. right? So, are you ever going to perfectly strike this balance? Probably not. You know. So just go out there with with these truths in mind and try to strike the best balance you can by God's grace. And it's kind of leave leave the rest up to the Lord. Yeah. You're you're never gonna be perfectly gentle and respectful and patient, but you know what? The Lord can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick. Amen, brother. Um now having said that about our responsibility to be gentle, I, I want us to dig in uh, to drill down on the reality of the offense of the gospel, right? Yeah. Because it seems like as you cull through, sift through some of the, those comments, it seems like people expect you to be able to preach the gospel in such a way that is received well by the unregenerate man. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the initial re- response that we got was, you shouldn't be out there trying to offend people with the gospel. Yeah. To which you would say, yeah, amen. Yeah, I'm not trying to. We're not trying to. Yeah. Um, and so now having dealt with that, let's look at a slightly different critique, which says, no, the gospel is to lead people to Jesus and people shouldn't be offended by it. It's yeah. such good news. Yeah. It's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You know? So if you find that you're sharing the gospel offends somebody, it's by definition you did something wrong. You did something is wrong. Is what they would say. Yeah. So let's let's look at some scriptures, okay? Okay. Uh, Romans chapter 9, uh, verse 33. And this is a quote from Isaiah 8. So it just show, it goes to show that this is through all of human history, all of salvation history, uh, when God comes in his holiness to meet us in our sin, our first reaction is repugnance, right? We're, we we want to reject that holiness. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Now, First uh, Peter actually quotes that same verse. Listen to what he says. He says, For those who do not believe, 
The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Can you unpack that for us, Russell? Yeah, we have Peter writing scripture, interpreting scripture. Okay. Yeah, we have uh, the Holy Spirit is literally giving us the keys to unlock what the Old Testament was talking about Mm. here by showing us that what Isaiah was pointing forward to is Christ. It is the Messiah. And 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 listen, listen, look at the imagery. And the imagery here is literally, it is a rock that will break <laughs> your foot as you fall on your face because you cannot and will not submit to that stone. When you trip over that rock and you break your foot and you get up cursing and you're angry at the rock, that's Jesus. That's right. Mm. And, and this is how the people who rejected Christ are are portrayed by this imagery. Yeah. As as they are ultimately fools being yeah. angry at the rock that tripped them because they couldn't see it. It's crazy, yeah. 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block. There it is again. Mm-hmm. Same thing as the rock of offense to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Now, let's be clear. What he's talking about is just two different kinds of unbelievers here, right? Yeah, specifically in in this passage of Scripture, he has the called, those who are called, mm-hmm and those who aren't called. Yeah. And this is just two types of people who happen to not be called. That's right. For different reasons they don't believe, but That's they right. still don't believe. Okay, so the, this this gospel that we preach, which is offensive to Jews and Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Right? So should we get into this now? Well, let's keep it real simple. Okay. So the difference between people who stumble over this rock of offense and fall on their faces yeah. and angrily reject him yeah. has nothing to do with whether you're a Jew or a Greek. It's yeah, because he not, says, go ahead. Yeah, Because so, there's Jews and Greeks on both sides of the equation here. That's right. Jews and Greeks stumble and Jews and Greeks uh, believe in and trust in the wisdom of God. What's the difference? Well, the difference is whether or not you're called. That's right. Uh, elected, predestined, adopted, chosen. And this word called here, and we're not going to do a full exposition of this chapter right. of, of Paul's writing. Yeah. The word called here is is efficacious. Effectual call. It, it does yeah. something. It's not a passive invitation that yeah. is given out willy-nilly to anyone. It is God's working in the heart of his people. That's right. Okay, let's move on. Galatians 5.11. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? That is, why am I still offending people so much that they want to kill me? Yep. In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Ooh, the offense of the cross. It almost sounds like Paul is saying that the gospel itself is offensive to those who've rejected it. Remember, this is the same apostle who wrote, give no offense to Jews mm. or to Greeks or to the church of God. That's right. So he is, he is saying on the one hand that the gospel is offensive and then commanding us as Christians on the other hand not to offend, mm. which means there is inherently in that message something that will be offensive and it yeah. shouldn't be us. Right. It should just be the work of the gospel on, on the hearts of yeah. unregenerate man. But let's be clear, for those who say that the gospel should not offend someone, it should only feel like a big sloppy wet kiss from God when you hear it, uh, the Apostle Paul disagrees. Yes. He has a name for the cross. It is offensive. Okay, It is the offense of the cross. To those who are perishing. That's right. Galatians 6.12, a little later in that same book. Those who want to make a godly impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. So this is a gospel dispute that's happening, right? They only do this, make a good impression outwardly, to avoid persecution for the cross of Christ. 
So what we have here is Paul is saying that there are there are these people, these Judaizers, and they're acting a certain way. They're trying to present themselves in a certain way. They're trying to be well-received by those who hear them because they understand that if they communicate the gospel as it is, they will offend people. They yeah. will be hated. They will be, they persecuted. Will be persecuted. Yep. And then finally, I think we should just end on Acts 4, where we see uh, an example of the apostles preaching a very offensive gospel. So we've heard them say that it will offend, yeah. and now we see their preaching, and this is what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of offends me. <laughs> Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So Peter and John are laying it on pretty thick here. Yeah, you have the recipe there for all of the things that would offend uh, a, a non-Christian. You, so Go ahead. Your sins caused Christ to be crucified. Yeah. That's just as true today as it was for the Jews who literally demanded his crucifixion in front yeah, of Pilate. That's right. Uh, you rejected him, mm -hmm. which all of us have done. And there's, there's salvation salva <laughs> in no one else. There's yeah. no other way to be reconciled to God. There is no other name under heaven by which you can be saved. Mm. That's the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Let's be clear. Muslim, Jew, uh, nominal Christian, atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Spiritual, this, spiritual, Marxist, this, right? This, it doesn't matter. It's offensive to every yes. last one of us, apart from the saving work of Christ in our hearts, apart from the regenerating work of our of Christ in our hearts. This, this one single road to heaven, this narrow road to heaven is not something that we can stomach. So let's go back through our objections. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you're picking on Muslims. But we're not. Answered, already dealt with that. Yeah. Number two. You shouldn't aim to offend people with the gospel. We agree. We agree. And we think because scripture tells us that. Uh, number three, the gospel is a happy, loving message. It shouldn't offend anyone. It is happy and loving, and it offends everyone apart from God's saving grace. Just read your Bible. Yeah. Now, the last one is a little bit more nuanced, mm. and I think it's probably one of the more important criticisms that we saw because we saw a lot of what I would think of as maybe people who understand their Bible a little better mm -hmm. and were trying to read the quote a little more charitably. Okay. They still gave this objection. Okay. Uh, and it goes something like this. Let me give you just some quotes here. Not every unbeliever who comes to Christ is going to be offended or see it as foolishness, the gospel, mm -hmm. uh, precisely for the reason that the Spirit of God is at work in drawing that person. Mm. Uh, this commenter says, for the hardened unbeliever, the gospel is an offense okay. and is foolishness. But for the tenderized pre-believer, it is the most welcome news ever. Sean DeMars is clearly overstating a point. What do you make of this? There, it, this person yeah. agrees that yeah. some will hear the gospel and be offended. Yeah. Uh, but they, it's like they've created this category of not completely hardened in rejecting the gospel, not quite a Christian, yeah. something in between. Yeah, this is uh, 
hundreds of years old, actually maybe even a couple thousand years old. It's, it's just Pelagianism, yeah. semi-Pelagianism to be specific, or some might call it Arminianism and w- where you fall on that spectrum may vary. But it's it's the idea of prevenient grace, right? There, there are those who are very hardened in their sin, and then there are those who uh, the Spirit of God has given a measure of prevenient grace to kind of uh, open the scales from their eyes, remove the scales from their eyes and open their hearts so that they can see and believe the gospel and then receive the final grace of salvation. So so basically the problem here is this person doesn't understand what the Bible teaches about conversion. I would say so. So yeah. this is, you know... And, and we're not trying to pick on this person. No, this not could at be all. a good brother in the Lord for all we know. Yeah, but yeah. the Bible makes it very plain that there are people who are unregenerate. Yeah. And all unregenerate are outside of Christ. Yeah. And then there are people who are regenerate. And the Holy Spirit has changed their hearts. They are in Christ. They are saved. There's nothing in between. Yeah, there's no such thing as uh, uh, there's no such thing as a measure there's, of grace that opens your eyes. The, there's John no chapter pre-believer. three. No, no, no. You you receive the gift of regeneration, and everyone who has their heart regenerate, regenerated will come to see and believe in Jesus and be saved. Just you know, Romans eight twenty eight through thirty one. Yeah. All those whom he called, he predestined, and all those whom he predestined, he called, and all those who he called, he justified, and all those he justified, he glorified. It's the golden chain of salvation. Yeah, that's right. So we have another commenter who says something similar. Mm. Um, he says that having offended someone isn't the standard for gospel preaching. Well, true. G- agree. Uh, I understand that the gospel can be offensive, he says. That's Good. Good. But not every sinner is resistant to the gospel, since there are some who are being called. And to them, offense isn't the measure whether the gospel was preached, but conviction. If God changes the heart of a Muslim, the gospel isn't offensive at all. Yeah, it just sounds like he's describing a person who has been regenerated in their inner person, <laughs> he's and describing, then they hear the gospel and they get saved. Yeah, he's describing a person who's not a Muslim anymore. Yeah. It's that simple. So, uh, yes, if you if you read this quote and say, look— if you preach the gospel to a crowd full of Muslims, some of them will be offended. But what about those ones who are saved? They're not offended. Yeah, it's because they're saved. because they're not Muslims anymore. Yeah. Praise God. They're Christians. Yeah. yeah. So that's a pretty simple one to answer. Yeah, I think so. Uh, do you have any final comments on this? Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I, I would ask all the people out there in internet land uh, to, to remember to apply the golden rule even when you're on the internet, right? Treat people how you would want to be treated. Um interpret people how you would want to be interpreted. Like we're on the American gospel page fairly frequently. We're friends with the people who manage it and and produce it. Somebody could have just said, Hey, Sean, can you clarify what you meant by this, uh, by, by this quote in this quotation? And I would have hopped on there and, and done my little thing. And I would have, right. If you would have treated me like a brother in the Lord with charity, uh, I think it probably would have gone better for you. So, yeah, that would be my encouragement. Yeah, and hopefully those who are a little confused about this quote don't quite understand the way offense works with the sharing of the gospel. This will help you. This will give you a better biblical understanding of what that looks like and prepare you to evangelize Muslims. Yeah, and everyone else. And everyone else. Hey, man, quit quit, quit honing in on Muslims. Picking on Muslims. (laughs) It's only the largest false religion in the world. I don't know why I'd pick that as an example, Sean. (laughs) You're right. Okay, Um, we're picking back up next week lord willing lord willing with uh, our final one or two episodes on uh church planning movements that's right for all 10 of you out there who have been watching that series you're in for a treat signing off i'm sean i'm russell thanks for listening